Slendy, ego, Slendy, ayy, hit it up the park, hit it with a strike, from the national anthem, to the bottom of the night, I'm in, Slendy, ego, Slendy, ego, Slendy, ego, Slendy, ayy, you already know what's up, what's that, another home run, but you know the job ain't done, till we hold that trophy up, What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 504 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. Ben Fadden with you here. It is October 31st, 2023. Happy Halloween. Uh, no, I am not dressing up. I, I don't really think about Halloween. So, But anyone that's listening or watching to this show today on Halloween, feel free to tag me on social media with all of your Padres-themed Halloween costumes and I can retweet those uh, because, you know, there's some sometimes there's a lot of good ones out there. Uh, you know, young kids dressing up as their favorite Padre player, um, stuff like that. So feel again, feel free to tag me on social media at Talking Friars tonight. If you're dressed up or someone in your family's dressed up in Padre stuff, I love seeing that. Uh, but yeah, today, the two main topics I want to touch on here, Jim Bowden, he, repl- he released a piece in The Athletic with his initial top 40 MLB free agents and some fits for all of those free agents, what teams probably will be in on those players, and a price tag, expected contract, how many years, how much money, and there were Padres free agents that were listed on there, multiple, I think there were four, I think Snell, Hayter, Lugo, and Waka. And so I'm going to go through those. There's some interesting things that were put in there so i'll get into that and then juan soto padres 2023 season review i've got two more to do him and fernando tatis jr and then those are the only other planned ones that i have to do and then we can really get into the off season obviously i I was doing these season reviews during the postseason obviously because the padres didn't make the postseason so this was a good time to just continue to still look back a little bit on these players seasons what maybe could they improve on? Should they be a part of next year's team? And as well, what is maybe their future going to look like? So, and that's obviously something that I'll hit on here with Juan Soto when we get to the Juan Soto season review. Anyone that wants to join the show, you can click that link that is pinned up at the top of the chat. If you want to make sure I get your comment or your question, you can use that super chat button. I definitely appreciate that. If you're watching on replay, you can use the super thanks button, I believe, and turn on those notifications on the YouTube channel. If you have not already, subscribe and turn those notifications on so you don't miss when I go live if you want to participate in these live shows. All right, so without further ado, let's get into this Jim Bowden piece, top 40 MLB free agents, and there were multiple Padres, and then there were also a lot of players that I think the Padres will show interest in on this list. And I don't think I'm going to get into all of those players. We can do that. There's plenty of time to talk about that in the off season today. I really wanted to touch on Padres players and the four that are on here from Jim Bowden. Again, Blake Snell, Josh Hader, Michael Waka, and Seth Lugo. And it was interesting to see where Blake Snell landed on Jim Bowden's list, because it's not just the top 40 and it's just 40 names. He did rank them. And Blake's obviously is going to win the NL Cy Young. He was not listed in front of Jordan Montgomery. He was not listed in front of Yoshinobu Yamamoto. He was not listed in front of Aaron Nola. He was listed fifth on this list behind all of those guys, behind Shohei Otani, obviously. By the way, Jim Bowden does not have Shohei Otani getting $500 million. He has him getting, I believe, 10 years, 477 with incentives and all that reaching 500 million dollars but in terms of the guaranteed money it's not 500 so i thought that was interesting and he lists blake snell number five and the reason he had blake snell not ahead of jordan montgomery and uh aaron nola was based on the feedback that he has heard from teams because he's pitched 100 innings only twice in his eight-year career and he's pitched less than 130 innings in the other six seasons so that's something to note. I think that Blake Snell will get more money than Jordan Montgomery. I think 
Aaron Nola, that could be more of a toss-up. I could see Nola getting more money in terms like just durability. The Phillies probably really want to keep Aaron Nola. So I could see him earning more. Maybe he gets a little bit more years, an extra year added on. Although the expected contract, the prediction from Jim Bowden here was five years for Noel. Five years, 125 mil. The prediction for Blake Snell was five years, 122 million. Now, I do want to note it's it's fair that Jim Bowden, he is not a GM in baseball now. He has been out of the game, out of GMing, I should say, not out of the game, but out of being the general manager of a team for years. And I disagree with some of the numbers that he is putting here, how much money these free agents are going to get. Based on trends, how much starting pitchers are getting, how much a certain reliever got, Edwin Diaz, I'll get to Josh Hader in a little bit. I disagree with some of these these numbers that are thrown out here. Like Blake Snell, five years, $122 million for a guy that is going to win the Cy Young this year. Like per year, that is what? One less than $25 million per year, 20, a little over $24 million per year for Blake Snell. I think he can get more than that, or he can get more years than that. Five years, 122 mil. I'm someone that's been sitting here saying, well, I'm not going to give Blake Snell $180 million. I'm not giving him maybe $200 million. I feel like that's what the price tag would be. I think that's what Scott Boris is initially going to ask for. Like, hey, $200 million. The dude just won the Cy Young. He's won the Cy Young in both leagues. Look how freaking dominant he was down the stretch. And he was facing teams like the Astros, like the Dodgers. He, he was not afraid of going at those teams. And he'd been doing that since the second month of the season. You know, like, there's, there's things that Boris can say that it's like, yeah, maybe Snell does deserve a little bit more money. Five for 122. Usually with starting pitchers, unless like you set the price tag super high, I feel like the price tag goes up a little bit because there's competition. One team says, I'm willing to give you this, then that agent will go to the other team or the other few teams that want that guy and say, hey, this team is willing to offer this. If you want him, you got to give another year. You got to up your AAV. You got to give him more total money, something, maybe better incentives. You got to woo this guy more because this other team has a more appealing offer than you do. Um, so I feel like the price tag could go up for Blake Snell. I don't see him signing for $122 million. 122 mil. I saw that from Jim Bowden this morning and I was like, maybe that would actually be appealing for the Padres if it's at that number. Because that's not like $40 million a year. That's not $30 million a year even for a guy that was their best starting pitcher. And this is a team that needs starting pitching help. Like, no doubt about that. Musgrove and Darvish, and then who else is going to be in the rotation? We don't know right now. The Padres could have Michael Walker be back in the rotation. That's what Jim Bowden thinks, by the way. He has Walker coming back on that one-year $16 million club option. Padres exercising that club option. And I would... The reason why I don't see that happening is because Michael Walker... I feel like he'll, I, maybe I shouldn't hit on this first because it doesn't matter unless the Padres don't exercise it. For the Padres, I don't feel like they want to give him $16 million. And by the way, it wouldn't just be $16 million for this year. It would be two years. It would be the 16 mil for 24 and $16 million for 25 as well. So the Padres have to take that into consideration. I don't believe Jim Bowden noted that here when he was talking about Michael Walker. So I don't think the Padres want to give Michael Walker $16 million guaranteed over the next two seasons, like 16 each season for two seasons. I don't think that they want to do that. I think that they would be okay with giving Michael Walker a two-year deal or maybe even a three-year deal, two-year with maybe another option for 2026, that would be, right? Maybe they'd be okay with that, but maybe they offer him $10 million a year or $12 million, but I don't know if they want to give him 16 Because remember, based on reports, and those reports can be wrong, but there's been a lot of reports these days about the Padres that have actually ended up being right. They are trying to lower the payroll significantly here. Like, that's their goal here. That's what is expected of this Padres team this offseason. 
So they're going to want to save money in any way that they can to try to get to that if they think that they can still put together a good team and they can you know, lower that payroll number. So right now, I would think that the Padres aren't going to go the club option route with Michael Walker, and they're just going to try to bring him back and say, hey, we want you back. We'll give you a raise. We'll give you a couple years, but we just weren't comfortable giving you $16 million per year. Based on our payroll situation, we want to build around you in the rotation as well, and they can spin it off that way. Don't know how receptive Michael Walker would be to that because there could be other contending teams out there that would be willing to give him more money maybe than the Padres would be willing to give him. But yeah, so Michael Walker, I don't I don't see the Padres taking that club option route right now. Now with Blake Snell, should the Padres give him five years, $122 million? I would probably rather give him less than five years but it's free agency, and you're going to have to give that, – that's just how it is. You're going to have to give guys more years than you want to give them. That You think teams want to give these players, even if they're really good players, 13-year deals or 10-year deals? No, they probably want to give them six-year deal, seven-year. But it's about the competition. The players want this. Other teams willing to do this to get those players' prime years. And that's how I feel like it's going to be here with Blake Snell, where – What's the sweet spot for the Padres? Three years? Is that what it would be? Blake Snell, how old is Snell? Like 30? Snell age. He's not that old, right? Blake Snell age, yeah, 30. So next year is going to be his age 31 season. So 31, 32, 33, 34. He'd be 35 if they gave him a five-year deal. That's not the worst thing in the world. I'm just concerned... Because if we give him a five-year deal, let's say, I'm just concerned because I've seen the sample size of Blake Snell, where he hasn't been the 23 Blake Snell for the majority of, of his time when he's been in the brown and gold with the San Diego Padres. If he's going to be the Cy Young Blake Snell, then yeah, of course you give him five years at $122 million. But are the Padres in a spot where they feel comfortable in giving another $100-plus million contract to a starting pitcher when they already have two, Darvish and Musgrove and Blake Snow, he's not going to pitch better. He pitched in 2023. And if they're giving him less than $25 million per year, if you go look at like the fan grass value metric, he doesn't need to pitch like the 2023 Blake Snow to live up to that contract right per year because i haven't looked at fan value metric but he was probably worth like 50 million this year based on how great you need to do that is this a guy the this is the question the padres got to ask themselves this is this the guy that's going to be there for the next few years is he going to go six innings consistently or is this the guy that's going to get back to going things maybe getting through five innings, not having very many six-inning outings. Okay, so actually this year, it was less than that. $32.8 million was the Fangraph's dollar value metric. Like, how much money were you worth this past season? Fangraph says he was worth $32.8 million. Is he, He's not going to get back to that level, in my opinion. He's not going to get to that back. He's not going to get back to that level. Again, so the Padres got away that. In 2022, he was worth $28.7 million. 2021, he was worth $17.1 million. So, you know, what's the midpoint there between 2021 and 2022? Is that the Blake Snell that the Padres are okay with paying $120 million to? If it's that production, because I'm saying like, if it's that production, you line that up with the Fangraphs dollar, that's where it lines up, hopefully, if that makes sense. If he's giving you production between what he gave you in 2021 and in between what he gave you in 2022, not what he gave you in 2023. I think it's unrealistic to expect Blake Snell to give the Padres or whatever team he goes to a another Cy Young performance 
in this next this next contract. He could be an all-star pitcher. He could pitch really well, but is he going to do that in the postseason? Is he going to do that all season long? You know, those are questions. Those are big questions that the Padres have to ask. And I just think that teams always want starting pitching. You can never have enough starting pitching. And the Padres can say that, but there's other teams that have that money to spend where it feels like the Padres don't really have that much money to spend. And so that's where I'm like, I, I just don't see them giving another $100-plus million contract when they already have two, and they'd probably be better off. Yeah, you want Blake Snell, but you'd probably be better off giving shorter contracts to guys. And that decreases the payroll, which is what they're, which by reports, that's what they want. So give your thoughts in the comments. Let me know. What do you think? Would you give Blake Snell five years, $122 million? And then getting back to this prediction, should we even be saying, would you give $120 million to Blake Snell? Because that's not what he's going to get. In my opinion, he's going to get more than $120 million from a team. I, I think Jim Bowden's low on a lot of these predictions that he makes. Maybe these are just cautious. Uh, and by the way, with Blake Snell, he says the best fits for him is the Cardinals, the Red Sox, the Yankees, Giants, Dodgers, and Padres. Let's go through those teams. Do the Cardinals have more money to spend than the Padres? I would think so. Red Sox, yes. Yankees, not so sure, but I mean, they missed the postseason as well. They want to get back there. So if they probably don't have less money to spend than the Padres, I would say. Giants definitely have money to spend. They didn't bring Bob Melvin in to continue rebuilding. Dodgers, yes. I mean, they were literally saving money for this offseason. If they don't get Shohei, then we really got to be worried because then you would think that they're going to get Blake Snow or they're going to get another top starting pitcher or a couple top starting pitchers or a top starting pitcher and a top position player, you know? So, best, like, I agree with those fits, like those teams. And it, He's a fit for a lot of teams, right? Because it's a starting pitcher. It's a it's a guy that can he has the ability to strike out an entire lineup and games. So yeah, like who has the advantage to sign Blake Snow right now, money wise? I would feel like the Cardinals do. I feel like the Red Sox would. Don't know about the Yankees, but the Giants, the Dodgers, I'd put them over the Padres in terms of room that they have to spend. So yeah, I just don't see Blake Snow returning to this Padres team. The next guy that was up here on Jim Bowden's list was Josh Heater. Three years, $67 million. And you see that prediction? I was like, what? Three years? That's it for Josh Hader? You're telling me that Josh Hader is going to be okay accepting a three-year deal less than $70 million? And Edwin Diaz got over $100 million from the Mets. Josh Hader probably puts himself on that same level or better than Edwin Diaz. Now, teams have to be willing to give Josh Hader that, but all it takes is one team. One team's not going to be willing to give Josh Hader five years, $100 million, or give him $100 million for four years. It's a lot per year for a reliever. It's a lot total money for a reliever. But you're telling me that one team in baseball isn't going to want to see that Josh Hader name and think that that's going to attract fans and that's going to bring excitement around that team. Three years, $67 million. That's the Padres. Should they do that? I, I would be more receptive. I would, I would be like, okay, let's think about this. Five years, $100 million, I'm out. I'm not giving $100 million to a reliever and especially not to Josh Hader. And I'm not giving, I, I don't want to give three years 67 to Josh Hader. But it's closer to what I would give to Josh Hader. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, Robert Suarez, that's a big reliever contract. And that's what, $9 million about that per season? Five years, I think $46 million is that total contract for Suarez. That's nowhere near what I feel like Josh Hader is going to get. So I disagree with the three-year $67 million total. Um, he says here, Jim Bowden says, 
One of the game's most dominant closers, Josh Hader, put together a strong free agent walk year, recording a 1-2-8 ERA and 33 saves with 85 strikeouts in 56 and a third innings. He wants to be the highest paid closer in the sport, and I think he will be by average annual value when he signs his next contract this winter. Um, and then the best fits for Josh Hader, Yankees, Phillies, Padres, Angels, Rangers. Is Josh Hader a fit on the Padres? Yes, like it would help to have Josh Hader back in 2024. I'm talking about on the field, roster construction, you take payroll out of it, and some things that have happened, yes. Like on-field performance, yes. Improves the bullpen or puts it back to where it was at least heading into this offseason, yes. But money-wise, is he a fit? And kind of like Blake Snell, is he a fit? Money-wise, better than the Yankees? Is he a better fit money-wise than the Phillies? We know John Middleton coming off of another successful, not successful, it was disappointing at the end there for the Phillies, but another season where you left with disappointment. You know, dang, we didn't make it to the World Series. He's going to want to spend money. You think he doesn't want Josh Hader in that bullpen? I'm sure he does. Angels, I don't really see how that's a fit. Like, they're going to take a step back next year. Why would Josh Hader want to go to the Angels? Unless it's clear, like, they offered him way more money than any other team. Rangers, that seems like a fit. So, yeah, Phillies and Rangers, still not so sure about the Yankees, but uh, Rangers, Phillies, I would think that they're in a better spot than the Padres are to give Josh Hader this type of contract. Even three years, $67 million. A.J. Preller, and this is another thing where I don't see Hater coming back. Another reason I'm okay with that is because I see A.J. Preller's track record with relievers. There are some things that we can criticize A.J. Preller for, and he needs to improve on and all that. But relievers is something that he's been able to do. He's been able to bring in some good relievers for not a lot of money, not anywhere close to what Josh Hader's going to get in free agency per year. And those guys ended up being impactful for relievers for this team. You go, I mean, just look at past closers. It seems like Suarez is going to be the closer. And then Barlow, maybe Cosgrove. Um, we'll see what happens with some other relievers there. Steven Wilson, maybe they bring in a high leverage reliever. We'll see what happens. But just look in the past. Like dating back to since A.J. Preller came across. I forget how much they paid Craig Kimbrell, but it was not what Josh Hader is going to get, right? Um, and that was for like one year. I don't know. I forget how much Fernando Rodney got, but they brought in Rodney and then they ended up trading him. But he pitched amazing with the Padres. I think some fans probably would forget. Um, I'm not talking about Padres fans, but just like casual baseball fans. Oh, yeah. Fernando Rodney played for the Padres. Um, but you look at other guys under A.J. Preller. Kirby Yates, Brad Hand. You think those guys were making a ton of money? I don't believe they were. Who am I forgetting here? Trevor Rosenthal, Mark Melanson. Were those guys making $20 million a year? I don't think so. If they were, correct me. I may be wrong on that, but I don't think they were. But names, names that you know, but maybe a little bit undervalued guys. Guys that aren't on long-term deals, but A.J. Preller's been able to bring those guys in. And Taylor Ro Taylor Rogers, right? Tyler is his brother. Taylor Rogers, he worked out a little bit before he got dealt, and that was in a trade. So finding he's found ways to bring in guys that aren't making a ton of money to be in the bullpen, the back end of that bullpen. I, I think he can do that again. He He's shown a track record to do it. So that was Josh Hader and that free agent prediction from Jim Bowden. There's no team that he like predicts that the person going to. He just says best, best fits. Yankees, Phillies, Padres, Angels, Rangers. Three years, $67 million for Josh Hader. Hader is 29. He had a $14.1 million salary this past year. But again, in free agency, all it takes is one team. One team to be like, I don't care what we pay you. We want you on our team. You know, Josh Hader is one of, there's not a lot of big reliever names in baseball, right? But Josh Hader 
is definitely in that category. He is near the top, if not at the top. You think of big reliever names, who are the first relievers that you think of in baseball right now, especially closers? Josh Hader is up there, right? Edwin Diaz, maybe that would come up, but maybe some fans don't say him because he was out this entire season. But you think, right now at least, right, you think of guys like Josh Hader. You think of, uh, is it Classe, Emmanuel Classe, right? You think of him. At least I do. I think of the Twins closer, Yoan Duran, who throws like 102, like easily. I think of guys like that. I think of, um, I'm trying to, I'm blanking on the Rangers closer right now, LeClerc. I think of someone like that. Uh, And I know he's in the World Series, so that obviously helps. But I think of like those guys. I think of Ryan Presley with the uh, the Houston Astros. Those are guys that I think of, and Josh Hader is definitely at the top of that list. Um, now, the other couple... See, there's a bunch of names here that I would be interested in if I'm the Padres, and I'll get into those as we get going here in this offseason when the World Series ends, and we can really start talking about these moves that a manager is hired because we don't know about that yet, obviously. There's some guys on here, like starting pitchers, where it's like, I'm definitely interested in that guy. And Jim Bowden's contract prediction is less years and less money than someone like Blake Snow. It's like, well, maybe that would fit more with the Padres. Uh, the next guy on this list, Padre-wise, was Michael Waka, And the prediction for him was the one-year $16 million club option. As I said earlier, I don't think that the Padres are going to go that route. If I had to choose, I'm not, I don't. I'm not saying 100% they're not going with that route. I'm not fully confident in that. But right now, I think that they would try to bring Waka back on like a two, maybe three-year deal. But it would not be $16 million per year. I think that they would give him a raise because he deserves it based off of this past year, but not at $16 million. With them trying to lower payroll, I think that they can offer him or maybe – they would be like, I don't think that another team's going to offer him $16 million per year, so let's let him go into free agency. When we let him know that we're declining this, make it known that we want him back and we want to give him a raise, but just not at $16 million. It just doesn't fit our plan. And then maybe he will want to come back, and maybe he's one of those that thinks there's no way that 2023 is going to be as bad for the Padres as it was for 2024. I still want to be a part of this team. I still think that we can go win. And maybe Mike Schilt is the Padres manager. Michael Walker has been managed by Mike Schilt. I think he has, right? I think he's been managed by Mike Schilt before. I don't know what his relationship is like, but hopefully he liked Mike Schilt. And maybe that is um, a positive in him wanting to come back. So we'll see what happens there with Michael Walker. But, I mean... Yeah, he definitely deserves a raise from $7.5 million in 2023. I think that maybe the Padres try to give him like $10 million or 12 But 16 feels like a lot for Waka because you have to know that he's going to get hurt at some point. You probably have to bake that in there. Like, he's going to get hurt at some point. We just hope that it's not, you know, a couple months, a few months, and it's only a, a couple starts, a few starts maybe like this past year, I believe, was. Um, So, yeah, Jim Bowden, he has the Padres exercising this club option, and I assume this is because he sees that the Padres don't have a full rotation, and exercising the club option will guarantee that Waka is with the Padres, and they don't risk losing him to free agency. They can just bring him back. But... Again, I, th- I think the Padres, they might be willing to risk sending him out there to the free agency to try to bring him back at a little bit less than $16 million. Now, the last guy that is on here is Seth Lugo. He is ranked 15th. He is the last Padre on this list of top 40 free agents from Jim Bowden. And he has Seth Lugo getting two years, $20 million. I saw that, and I was like, yes, Padres, you give Seth Lugo that contract. As I said earlier, though, 
I think that Jim Bowden has underrated these contracts or under the price tag doesn't feel as high as it what it actually will be in reality on the market. Two years, $20 million for Seth Lugo, what we saw this past year, knowing that he can be a starter and he can go six innings pretty consistently. And he's a feels like he's a team guy. If it doesn't work out in the rotation for some reason or he gets hurt and the best thing for him is to go to the bullpen, he can do that as well. I'm taking Seth Lugo in a heartbeat at two years, $20 million. With Michael Waka, there's question marks. I'm not saying there's no question marks with Lugo, but it feels like there's a bigger injury question mark with Waka, especially with the arm. Lugo didn't deal with that in 2023. And he doesn't have as many innings on him as Michael Waka does in his career. So $10 million per year. I mean, Lugo made this past season seven and a half mil. And that was the Padres not knowing if he was going to be a starter or not the entire year. So for him to be, for because if the Padres bring him back, he's going to be a starter. Like you don't bring him back and say, yeah, we're putting you in the bullpen after you were successful in the rotation, right? Other best fits here for Jim Bowden says the Cardinals, who, yes, they're going to want to spend on the rotation. Angels, they're always looking for pitching. Tigers, Royals. Okay, would Seth Lugo want to go to the Royals? I don't think so. He wants to win. Would he want to go to the Tigers? I don't think so. Would he want to go to the Angels? Maybe, but he probably sees that they're taking a step back as well. Would he want? So I think among these teams, I'm sure other teams will be interested, especially if it's two years, $20 million. I think it's going to be more than that. But if it's between these five teams, I'm taking out the Royals, I'm taking out the Tigers, probably taking out the Angels, because I would expect Lugo wants to go to a contending team. I don't think he views the Angels as a contending team. And then I'd go, but the Padres and Cardinals, none of these teams here made the postseason this past year. But Padres, Cardinals, I mean, they have more talent than these other teams do, right? So if it's between those two, I guess it just depends on that maybe the timing of Seth Lugo. Maybe, I don't know how much the manager would play into it. Maybe the Padres have the advantage because he can trust certain guys. He knows the staff. He knows the ballpark. Like he, he got more comfortable with the Padres in his first year. You know, like he's played a whole year. Does He would be walking into a whole new thing with the St. Louis Cardinals. Does he want to do that? Although the NL Central probably will be an easier division than the NL West. And then obviously, yeah, you know, the timing. I go back to the timing because if the Cardinals are like, okay, Blake Snell, come on down. They give him a contract. That takes up a spot. And the Padres, then that, they need to replace, they already need to replace Lugo if they don't bring him back or they can just bring back Lugo and then there you go. So just timing, like what if the Padres, Lugo, maybe asks for more than the Padres are comfortable with and he just stays out there in free agency? Well, the Padres, they might want to fill out their rotation so they go bring in other guys and Lugo's left to only go to the Cardinals or go to another team or it could happen where the Cardinals fill up their rotation because that's a big priority of theirs and they don't want to wait around for Seth Lugo. And they might think, well, Lugo, he'll just go back to the Padres because he's just going to use us. So they'll just, you know, take themselves off the board. And then that opens Lugo back up more with the Padres, more sense to come back to the Padres or to another team. These are just best fits. This isn't Jim Bowden, by the way, like predicting all of the teams that are going to be in. Most of these names here, he just lists five teams that uh, are fits for these players. So, yeah, I mean, Seth Lugo, I want Seth Lugo back. If I had to pick, I think I've said this before, if I had to pick between Lugo and Waka, I'm going to pick Seth Lugo. He can pitch. I'm I'm not saying Waka couldn't, but it's been proven Lugo can pitch out of the bullpen. He has less innings on him. He was successful as a starter this past year. He goes six-plus innings pretty consistently. He didn't have any arm problems this past year. I'm going to go with Seth Lugo, especially at that contract. Two years. So would you rather give Waka $16 million per year? Now, that would be guaranteed like you, because it's a club option. Like He would have to come back. Even if you offer Lugo $10 mil per year, he could just go to another team, even if it's for less money because he'd be a free agent. 
because he's going to decline the player option that's coming up. The player options for seven and a half million dollars. He's not going to take that. I think he'd be foolish to take that, right? Um, you know, you're you're turning down multiple years. You're turning down more money per year. Just that would be dumb. The Padres, they'd be willing to give Seth Lugo a raise, or at least I would hope that they'd be willing to give Seth Lugo a raise. Would you rather have Lugo at ten million dollars per year, or would you rather have Waka at sixteen? Like we would want Lugo at ten per year. So. All four Padres free agents, by the way, are in the top 15 in Jim Bowden's top 40 list here. So that means these guys are going to be coveted. Snell's going to be coveted. Hater's going to be coveted. But maybe there's not going to be as many suitors for Hater because some teams are, are going to be like, I'm not giving $20 million per year to Josh Hater. Not going to happen. I'm not giving $60-plus million to Hater. I think it's going to be closer to 100 mil than 60, but this is just, I'm just going off of the projection, the prediction here from Jim Bowden. There's going to be obviously competition. There's probably going to be a lot more competition for Lugo and Waka, probably Lugo, than for someone like Josh Hader because he's a starting pitcher and he can relieve and it's a lot less money. That brings in a lot more teams into the Lugo mix. So we'll see what happens here. Um, but yeah, how much could Padres free agents get? That's obviously the, the title of this show. What do I think the price range may be for these guys? Snell, I don't think it's 122. I think it's going to be closer to 200. I, I, 200 might be a stretch. I'll say closer to 180 than to 122. Hater, I think it'll be closer to 100 than to 60 mil. Waka, I think that would be probably two years, maybe Kind of like Luke, two years, 20 mil, somewhere around there, maybe another option year. Lugo, I think it'll be more than two years, 20 mil. I think it could be 12 mil per year. Um, but yeah, Walker and Lugo, they, they're probably going to be pretty similar. I think Lugo could get more money, though, from a team. And based on these numbers here, Snell, probably not. Hater, no. Waka, no. I try to just bring him back in free agency at a little bit less. Lesser value, but Lugo, yes, I would bring him back on that two-year, $20 million deal. All right, quick break, and then I'm going to get to some comments here in the chat. Check out Gaglione Bros' famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries on Friars Road. You can visit their website, gaglionebros.com, for their entire menu and enjoy their cheesesteaks and fries at Petco Park and Snapdragon Stadium as well. All right, let's get to the chat here. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Devin says, bringing Snell back is a pipe dream. I, yeah, I agree on that. It is the most unlikely move the Padres will be able to pull off. I hate to say it because I would love to bring him back, but I just don't see it happen. I don't see it happening. Um, yeah. I think that of the free agents, actually, of the free agents, I think the least likely to come back is Josh Hader. I would say that Snell is more likely than Hader. I just see no shot of the Padres giving Josh Hader what he wants in free agency. That's just not going to happen. Now, if we bring all players into it, like Pipe Dreams, if I include Juan Soto, giving him an extension, I think that's the biggest pipe dream. Like, that's not happening. I think he's going to want $500 million, and the Padres, they're not going to do that right now. And I think their priority, by the way, should be on building their 2024 roster and getting that settled before they, you can talk to one, you can do multiple things at the same time, but you should, your, your priority should be on, you know, the team that Juan Soto is already on, you know, he's under contract through 2024. So that should be the priority, but yeah, Snell, I don't think he's going to come back, but he, I think there's a better chance of Snell coming back than Josh Hader coming back. Preston says, I love Snell, but not overpaying for him. Too inconsistent. Otani says, Devin, or excuse me, sorry, Otani did not say this. That would be wild if Otani was in the chat. Devin says, Otani should not be the number one priority. This team needs more depth than stocking up more superstar players. I agree with that. Yeah, I'd love to have Shohei. That would be amazing, but... 
money-wise, and they need pitching. He's not going to pitch next year, probably. Yeah, that's that's it's that'll be a lot. Talk about the talk of baseball. Otani comes. Holy cow. No one will be thinking about um someone like well, Padres fans will be, like Xander Bogarts, but no one's going to be thinking about someone like Xander Bogarts if Otani comes. It'll be Tatis, Soto, Manny, and Otani, probably. Bogarts they'll throw in there, but yeah, that would be freaking wild if Otani came. That is definitely a pipe dream. You want to talk about pipe dreams? That right there is a pipe dream. Um, let's see here. Yuki says, don't sign Yamamoto. You can get a Nola and Erod for that price. Yeah, so Yamamoto, I'm going to scroll up here in this article from Jim Bowden. He has Yamamoto as number two on this list behind Otani. Has him getting $211 million. I think Snell and Yamamoto could get comparable contracts. So that's why I was... That's another thing I was like, wow. So that big of a gap between Yamamoto and Snell when Yamamoto's not proven in the big leagues yet, will he have a talent? Is he a talented pitcher? (laughs) Yeah. If you've ever watched this guy on highlights on YouTube and stuff, you'll see that this guy is talented. Look at his numbers. Yeah, I understand that. But, you know, Blake Snell has a lot of years in the big leagues and he's going to go win the Cy Young. Maybe teams want to go with that. I don't know, but it feels like there's a big gap, too big of a gap between Yamamoto and Snell's price tags here on Jim Bowden's list. But if we're going on the Jim Bowden projection, yes, you say Nola and Erod for that price. Nola is $125 million, and Erod is how much here? $90 million. I don't see that happening either. Um, I don't see the Padres giving a starting pitcher anything close to $100 million in free agency this offseason. I just don't see it happening. But yeah, like Aaron Nola, should the Padres show interest? I mean, yeah, I like Aaron Nola as a pitcher, and he can work deep into games and workhorse and all that, but... Do they want to give him over $100 million? You know, another starting pitcher over $100 million. Would I rather give over $100 million to Snell or Nola? I would rather give it to Nola. Yes. I think he will be more consistent than Blake Snell will be in the future, which is what should matter. You don't pay someone, and the Padres have gotten in trouble with this. You don't pay someone for what they've done in the past. You pay what you think they're going to do in the future here. Because that's when they're under contract. So, again, with Blake Snell, is he going to get better? It's not going to get better than what he gave this past season. I'm not saying every year it's going to get worse. But is it worth it to give him? I don't think it's going to be $120 million. I think it's going to be more than that. Significantly more than that. So that's the question the Padres got to ask. Devin says, I would not give Snell the amount he is expecting to get. Hater is definitely getting more than three years. I agree with that. Padres should avoid paying a lot for a reliever. I agree. Um, Let's see here. JD's third says, Ben, no one had the Diamondbacks in the postseason this year. I think players think deeper than we do when considering where to play. San Diego still is AJ, and that is a drawback. We are a mess right now. Yeah, yeah, we're not, yeah. Right now, it's pretty much clean up on aisle six. We're not, um, you know, this amazing aisle where there's no problems at all. Of course, there's problems. But I also do think that, you know, players want to play with some certain guys on this team. And I think living in San Diego is appealing to players. And I think, there are definitely going to be players that are like, yeah, I I don't think that this is going to happen again. I'm sure there were a lot of players asking people on the Padres this year. 
when they were playing them or whatever in conversations that they had. What is happening? How are you guys this? How are you guys missing the postseason? What's going on here? This much talent. What is going on? So those players that are free agents, I think that they would be okay with still coming to the Padres. And money does talk a lot here. It does. So if the Padres are willing to pay up, which not so sure that they are and a lot of these guys, if they are willing to pay up, then then those players will become they'll be willing to come to San Diego. It's not like they're they'd be going to Milwaukee or another city. I don't want to I don't mean to bash Milwaukee. I don't think I've ever been there, but I'm just throwing out a a random town that probably isn't as appealing to be in as San Diego. Um, continuing to go through the chat. JD's third says players across the league respect and admire Bowmel, and they won't soon forget what AJ and San Diego did to him. So, okay. JD's third. So, and anyone else listening or watching, if the Padres go and offer player X more money than any other team is offering, that player is going to sit there and say, I don't like what you did to Bob Melvin. So I'm not going to come to the Padres. You're going to turn down that opportunity. Like, no, that's not. You can not like what happened, but I just don't see that how that's going to be like at the forefront of someone's mind when the Padres are talking to them in free agency and they have all the offers on the table and the Padres are the most appealing one financially and security-wise, down the road, years, all that. I don't think the Padres are in a position to give a a bunch of long-term contracts. They've had plenty of those, right? But I'm just saying, like, even for the one-year deal players, if if the Padres are giving them the best deal, Preller loves to do those options. So if they have the most appealing deal, then they're going to sit there and be like, I don't like what they did to Bob Melvin. I don't like how Preller didn't let Bob Melvin do his job, so I'm not going to go to the Padres. I don't see how that's going to be at the forefront of their minds. Judge and Turner turned down more money not to play in San Diego. It is a thing, Ben. Okay, but that's not... Those players didn't have an open mind in free agency. In my opinion, it didn't seem like they had an open mind. Judge always wanted to go back to the New York Yankees. The Padres offered more money to Aaron Judge than the Yankees did. He wanted to be the Yankees captain, the leader. He wanted to play with one team his entire career. Trey Turner, his wife wanted him to be back on the East Coast. He probably wanted to be on the East Coast. You have the appeal of getting to be teammates again with Bryce Harper, and you have Kevin Long as your your hitting coach. Like That's going to be appealing to Trey Turner. The Padres showed interest in Trey Turner. I'm sure if the Phillies... If that wasn't an option and no East Coast team wanted Trey Turner, I wouldn't have been surprised for Trey Turner to go sign with the Padres. You know, like, people that bring up those players, certain players know what they want going into free agency. They know what team they want to go to, and they're willing to take less, not because the Padres are a problem, but because they want to go to that team. They love that team, maybe the family considerations themselves their selfish considerations you know like not every player looks at it as only looking at what's the best spot to win only some players they want to be on the east coast some players want to be on the west coast some want to be closer to family some don't want to move their family some are just happy with where they're at that's just that's just how it is all right Let's get to a Juan Soto 2023 season review. Uh, there's going to be, obviously, a ton of Juan Soto talk this offseason, and so I feel like some Padres fans might already be tired of it, so I don't want to spend too much time on potential Juan Soto trade fits. I talked about that on the show yesterday with the Chicago Cubs. Look, with Juan Soto, we know that there's going to be trade talks. We know the Padres are going to be listening. They're not shopping him, but we know they're going to be listening. At one point, they might shop him this offseason because maybe Peter Seidler says we have to trade Juan Soto, or I don't think that's going to happen, but 
maybe the front office is like, the easiest way to do this, Peter, is to trade Juan Soto. And we can get talented guys back, and we'll still have a lot of talent on this team. And he wasn't going to sign back with us in free agency anyway. That's how the Padres, that's how A.J. Preller could, you know, try to convince Peter Seiler to allow Soto to be traded, right? But that's, we'll talk about Soto plenty and the trades and all that down the line. As for 2023, he had a 5.5 F4, all 162 games played. Might have been the first time in his career that he's done that. 275 average, 410 on base percentage, 519 slugging percentage, a 155 weighted runs created plus, 97 runs scored, 109 runs driven in, and 35 homers. And that's where I go. I, I immediately think back to what I said yesterday about the Cubs. And there was that one writer, Bruce Levine, from 670 The Score, that was like, hey, if the, if, if the Cubs take on all of Juan Soto's contract, maybe Christopher Morrell, one for one, would be enough to get it done. What are you smoking? Oh, my gosh. One for one, Christopher Morrell for Soto? Give me a break. Okay, Soto. Part of the reason why I want the Padres to keep Soto is because, I mean, he's going to have a better year this next season, I believe. I firmly believe he's going to have a better season, a walk year, motivated, all of that in 2024 than he did in 2023. I mean, in 20, some of the negatives, he had a 202 batting average in the first month of the season, March and April, 713 OPS in August. I mean, there were a couple months there where he was bad. Beginning of the season, I made a breakdown about how bad Soto was and why is he pulling on, pulling off and grounding out so much. Like, it wasn't Juan Soto. He wasn't going to the opposite field, line drives, you know, up the middle. It just felt like he was totally off. Is that going to happen again in 2024? Is he going to have two really bad months for Juan Soto standards? Is that going to happen? I mean, let's go through his splits here from 2023. Month by month. Hold on. Let me pull up the Juan Soto baseball reference page here. And this is a I would I labeled it a little bit of a disappointing season for Juan Soto. And he still drove in over 100. He still hit 35 home runs, a career best. He still had an OPS plus 58% above, above league average. He was still getting on base over 40% of the time. OPS over 900. Like, this guy's an amazing talent. So I want this guy on this team in 2024 because he's under contract and the Padres should be trying to win. Um, all right, looking, looking at the splits here in 2023, month by month. April and March, 757 OPS. Then in May, a 1114 OPS. June, 914 OPS. July, 959. September, October, 1156 OPS. But then August, 713. So he had two really bad months for Juan Soto standards. 202 average in April, first month of the year. 219 average in August. Like, that's terrible Juan Soto standards, right? Really bad. I mean, September, October, he hit double the amount of home runs than he had in the month of August. I'm not saying that we should expect Juan Soto to go hit 50 home runs next season, but I expect him to not have two bad months. For some players, having a 757 OPS, that's not bad. Like They'll take that, right? But for Juan Soto, we're expecting his OPS to be over 900 every month of the season, essentially, right? Or at least five of the six months. And the other month, not be under 800, be like 850. I think that's what a lot of fans expect out of him. And I think we're going to get closer to that in 2024, if not get exactly that in 2024. So, I mean, looking back on this year, like, okay, with runners in scoring position, let me see what he did here. With runners in scoring position, his OPS was over 1,000. He hit almost 300 with runners in scoring position. So, yeah, not going to complain about that. That wasn't really him. Look, based on the eye test, I think that's Manny. I think that's Bogarts. I think that's other guys that didn't come through with runners in scoring position. For, mo for the most part, wasn't it Soto that was someone that was in scoring position? He was on base. 
And I mean, he drove it over 70 runs with runners in scoring position this year. If I compare that to someone like Manny, maybe that's not fair because Manny didn't play every game. But I can go to the splits and just look at like, I know it's smaller sample size and all that. So I won't look at the number of runs driven in because that's not fair, but I'll look at like average OPS. Let's see. Runners in scoring position. Manny hit 266, 807 OPS. Soto, 1016 OPS, hit almost 300, 299. Now, if we go to high leverage spots, right, late and close, which I think is like seventh inning on. Oh, here it is. Uh, in the seventh inning or later with the batting team tied ahead by one or the tying run at least on deck. So late and close, Soto hit over 300, 303, 460 on base, 592 slug, 1052 OPS. Manny, in late and close situations, had a 153, holy cow, 153 batting average. 244 on base, 292 slug, 536 OPS. So Soto was doing his job. Manny was not. And I can look at other guys, but that would probably take a little bit. I, I don't want to make it seem like I'm bashing only Manny there. Manny's just another huge guy on this team, so that was just the first guy that came to mind that I wanted to, you know, compare and look at. So Soto, overall, like two bad months. I don't think he's going to do that again in 2024. And he was good, at least looking back on these late, you know, clutch runners in scoring position, looking at those numbers. He was really good. So, yeah, let's tr let's trade that guy for Christopher Morrell. Like, come on, no. The Padres wouldn't do that, by the way. I'm not saying the Padres are going to do that, but... Yeah, I mean, just I just don't want the Padres to be like, no, it's okay. All that we traded to the Nationals for Juan Soto, yeah, we only got one postseason run out of that. Didn't even, and we didn't even try in the final year that we could have had Juan Soto guaranteed under contract. I get it with the payroll and thirty-three million dollars. Like that's the easy way out of this, but it's not. It's not my money that I'm giving Juan Soto. It's not my money. So it's, I know it's easy for me to say, but I'm, I'm saying it. Like, I don't want to see this team on opening day with Juan Soto not in a Padres uniform. I, I don't want them to be like, oh, what if? I don't want us fans to be able to sit here and be like, what if we had Juan Soto? How would that have turned out? I want either it to work or it to fail. And we can sit here and say, hey, at least we tried. At least we tried with Juan Soto. To the full extent. 2024, we tried with that. We didn't give up early. Now, what soften the blow if the Padres do deal Juan Soto is getting someone back like Jason Dominguez. Getting someone like Pete Gore Armstrong back from the Cubs. You know, someone like that, it's like, oh, okay, well, I like those, I like those names. Like, that's that's appealing to me. But... I will still sit there and be like, those guys aren't going to help this team a lot in 2024, are they? Pete Carr Armstrong made his debut this past season, so he could help the Padres, but is he going to be, is he Juan Soto? He's not. Is this team in a spot where they need to try to win in 2024? I believe they are. Especially after missing the postseason last year and having it be a failure this past season, right? So, yeah, I don't want a Soto trade. For those that do, you can let me know in the comments why. But to me, and I know what the explanation probably will be, what those fans probably will say, well, we're still going to be a talented team. He's not going to come back. Let's get something back for him. We could get a lot back for him. Some guys can help this team. We can get pitching back for him. And I understand that. And what I guess it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if the Padres do trade Soto and they can get back a controllable starting pitcher that can help this team now and in the future. And let's say they bring back Tommy Pham or something. And I know some fans wouldn't want that, but what I'm seeing from Tommy Pham, 
that's a guy that I'm okay with coming back to the Padres. Have that type of mentality in that clubhouse? Oh, yeah. I would definitely be fine with that. And you have him play the outfield. You have Tatis. Who knows with Grisham? Maybe it's someone else. I don't think that would be the end of the world, especially if the Padres try to extend Soto and they know it's just not going to happen. I understand that. But I still, I still, at the end of the day, want Soto to be here in 2024. You know, I, I can see those that don't. I think a lot of fans want Soto, but they're okay with him leaving. Like they understand it. But man, you can't you can't sell it to the fan base, in my opinion. That no, it's okay. We're trying to go all in and win in 2024, even though Snell and Hader aren't here, and we just traded our best hitter and one of the best hitters that this planet has ever probably seen. Yeah, we just traded him. We gave up. We gave up so much to the Nationals, and we only got one postseason appearance with Juan Soto on our team. But we're going all in in 2024. You can't convince me of that. All right. Going through the chat here before I finish up. Devin says, Padres don't have to trade Soto, but I'm okay with them listening to offers until one offer absolutely blows the socks off the Padres. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know if it's ever going to get to that point. I'm okay with them listening as well because that's their job. I think it would be dumb not to listen and be like, yeah, he's not getting traded even if you offer us Jason Dominguez, um, Spencer Jones, and Michael King. I'm saying from the Yankees' point of view, right? Or from, from the Yankees, if they offer that to the Padres and the Padres still say no, you got to be open to that, right? But, um, yeah, what the Padres should do is listen, but we don't want to trade Juan Zoto. That's what the, the mindset should be, I think. And you try it. You give an extension offer to Juan Soto because at least then you can tell your fan base, hey, we tried and he wasn't going to do it. But the extension offer needs to be better than $440 million because we know the Nationals offered him that and he rejected. So it can't be 440 Probably can't even be 450. It's probably got to be closer to 500 for the fan base to be like, well, that was a pretty darn good offer that they offered Juan Soto. And he just, he didn't take it. So they, they decided to move on. Yeah, the quote, geez, Louise. Yeah, we can talk about the negatives from Soto. I mean, I talk about the, the two bad months that he had, but some of the quotes, yeah, about how, what did he say? Not the August one. Obviously, we know about that. The quitting quote, right? Sometimes when we get down, we just we stop fighting. We, we we literally quit instead of keep finding, keep keep fighting, and keep grinding. Saying that, I guess I respect the honesty, but come on, that should never be the mentality when you're trying to go win the World Series with all that talent. Come on, that cannot freaking be the mentality. Uh, but there was the other one. I think earlier on in the season, this was on camera. In August, not August, earlier on in the year, and someone asked, it was just one of those hundred questions that the, the, these players were asked hundreds of times this season. What's going on about the offense, I think? And Soto was like, I don't know, you're going to have to go ask those guys down there. Something like that. And I was like, so is he talking to teammates? So he's, I think this was when he was doing his job and he was playing well. So we were asking ourselves, is he directing this at teammates? If he is, that's a bad look there, teammate to teammate, right? Or is he talking about the front office? Front office isn't giving him information. Like, that's a bad look there. Whatever it was, they weren't connected. Is that a Soto problem? There was the report from Kevin Acey. Report, the sentence that was dropped in at the, in the middle of an article this past week, right? The last sentence of a paragraph. Bob, it was widely known Bob Melvin wanted Soto traded. Like, what's the context there on that? Is that because Soto's not good for the clubhouse? Is he, why? Was it just Bob Melvin looking out for the Padres? Like, he's not coming back. Um, we have talent on the offense. We could get talent in other spots in the lineup, multiple spots in the lineup. If we trade Soto, we can bring someone in on a one-year deal that, yeah, he's not Juan Soto, but he's still productive. 
We can get pitching back. We can improve our depth, our overall roster. If we trade Juan Soto, was it from that view or was it from Soto sucks? He's not a good teammate. I can't deal with them anymore. I want him trade. Like, what was it? But AC just dropped it in there. And I'm like, what's the context of that? Why did Bob Melvin want Juan Soto traded? If it was widely known, why was that not reported earlier? You know, why is it just getting out now? Is it because the Padres want to make Bob Melvin look bad as he's walking out the door? Well, don't blame us. Blame that guy. He didn't want to be here and he wanted Soto traded. Duh. That's why we're moving on. Like, it's be happy. What was it? It's, yeah. Um, that was, yeah, quote, worst quote of 2023. I think that's what I said was the, the quitting one. That just, it was like, seriously? It's come to this in this Padre season where guys are openly saying, yeah, we just quit. Terrible. And then the defense isn't that great. You know, we, we know. We know the, the, the drawbacks of Juan Soto, but I think at least for one more year, what he can do to this help, how he can help this Padres team outweighs how he hurts the Padres team. All right, that's going to do it. Talking Friars episode 504. Reminder, code Talking Friars, $20 off your order on SeatGeek. Underdog Fantasy, want to promote them here real quick. $500 deposit match. 100% deposit match up to $500. It is limited time. I don't know when the cutoff date is, so click that link in the description or use code Talking Friars. Underdog Fantasy up to 100%, or excuse me, 100% deposit match up to $500. Usually it's $100, $500 now. So use that to your advantage. There's Pickums, World Series. Rangers have a 2-1 series lead. Game four is tonight. NFL, college football, college basketball is about to start. San Diego State's going to start uh, a week from yesterday. They had a scrimmage yesterday. They were able to knock off, I believe, Cal State San Marcos. So after a little bit of a shaky start there, but that's going to get going. There's drafts, there's pickums. So please use that to your advantage again. Up to $500 deposit match, 100%. Deposit match up to $500. Gaglione Bros, the main sponsor of this show. Main location is on Friars Road. Best cheesesteaks and garlic fries in San Diego. They're going to be available at Snapdragon Stadium this coming weekend for San Diego Wave against OL Rain. Their semifinal match tickets available as low as $10. Click uh, the link in the description, not on this show, but go to the Wave playlist here on the YouTube channel and find the latest video. And there's the link there to ticket to the tickets, or you can go to the San Diego Wave website and the tickets are there. Uh, BreakingT.com, click the link in the description there. Same thing with FOCO, Great Padres, Bobbleheads, and Collectibles, and Breaking T. Has some great Padres, Aztecs, and San Diego Wave shirts and sweatshirts. So please support the partners. Great to the show. I definitely appreciate their support. I appreciate everyone else's support as well. Watching on YouTube, live, on replay, listening on the podcast platforms. Thank you all for the time. Hopefully you enjoyed the show, and I'll see you all later. <laughs>